back. It is week 16 on Out on That Line. I'm your host, Jeff, with my co-host, Alex. Alex, how you doing this week? Jeff, it's our sweet 16. I got no complaints over here, buddy. Oh, yes. We're, we're so pretty. Um, we have quite an exciting episode here. A pretty hotly anticipated album. Uh, debut album from Megan The Stallion called Good News. We've got a couple other tidbits here to get to first. Uh, first of all, if people haven't noticed or seen the news, uh, Bob Dylan just sold his music catalog. Guess how much it went for? And I truly do not know. So I'm going to say, based on other information you gave me before we recorded the show, um, 200 mil. $300 million. Whoa. Holy 300, shit. 300 million dollars for a song catalog. Now, I mean, we're talking about probably one of the greatest song catalogs of all time here. But 300 million bones for that. Yeah. Crazy. That's great work if you can get it. Yeah, I mean, it's no Baja Men collective hits, the right to their songbook, but it'll do. Yeah, it'll in a pinch, it'll do. And then also, Stevie Nicks sold hers $100 million. That's that, wild. That, to me, is, I mean, kind of an unfathomable, unfathomable number for me. $100 million for a song catalog. Then you talk about Bob Dylan getting $300 million. <laughs> You know, it's it kind of makes you wonder, like, what is Paul McCartney going to sell the Beatles catalog for? Or, you know, what would Bruce Springsteen sell his for? You know, just I would imagine Springsteen probably similar ballpark to Bob Dylan. But the Beatles, I mean, you got to talk about like half a billion at least, I would think. Yeah, it would be a real shame if they were ever to lose the rights to their song. But and Michael Jackson comes in and buys it. <laughs> it was just business. It's just business, man. I, that uh, oh, I guess so. And I guess we are talking about the music business, so I shouldn't really be surprised. But I I just can't imagine a world where like someone I love, like we'll just go ahead and say Megan the Stallion. If all of a sudden I had the opportunity <laughs> to buy her entire songbook, her the whole catalog, the rights to everything, and just take someone that I really love and and f- screw them over like that. Would I do it? Does money become that much of a powerful influence in your life that you'll do anything to achieve it? I'll never I, you know, know. I would, I would love to be able to be in a position to make a decision about whether a hundred million dollars was worth it to me or not. You know, um, I think that's an enviable position. I, I would like to think I would do the right thing, but who knows? Hundred million dollars—that's that's a whole lot of scratch. And what is the right thing, especially in this context, we're talking about it's just business, like it is a business decision, it's the music business, but if you have a relationship with this person and you idolize them, like, can you really do it? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, if someone was like, you have an opportunity to get the burn of all time on someone like Eddie Murphy, a a comedic genius, someone that I, or Dave Chappelle, someone like that. And it's like you get one shot to tell a roast joke so crippling that he will never come back from it. You can undercut your idol, but that's the thing is it's someone that you love, but you can do the thing that will destroy them forever. Do you do it? Because you can be better than your mentor. It's a real Sith Jedi type thing. Yeah, that's that's a very that's a very like Anakin Obi-Wan kind of situation there. That's I, I don't know. I don't know what you do there. It's over, Anakin. It's... I've got the high ground. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it depends whether you want to take the high ground or not in a situation like that. You know, that's what who I'm knows? saying. Yeah, who knows? I, I, 
I, I'm going to go ahead and say I would like to thank I'll do the the correct thing there, the morally correct thing. You know, whether you want to say, you know, if you're morally bankrupt, the correct thing is going to be, you know, take that money and run. But, you know, the morally correct thing, I think, is going to be, you know, let them have their have their art. Or Here. maybe you can negotiate and say, you know, I could do this to you, but if you pay me like a cool $25 million, I won't. I was just about to say, buy it and then sell it back to them for a huge markup. Yeah, like oh yeah, buy it for a hundred million, sell it back to them for like two fifty. Yeah, know? that's easy. Yeah, we found it. We found the right thing to do, the correct path, right between the high road and the low road, the middle road. That's what we call that. Split the fucking uprights, baby. This is this yeah. is it. Yeah, that's that's good. I'm glad we were able to to come to that decision. And if anybody does want to sell us their song catalog, you know, I don't think between us we have quite a hundred million dollars, but we could try to to drum up those funds yeah we'll sure act like we've got that kind of money don't you worry about that yeah just give us the song catalog first the check the check will clear on monday promise absolutely if you believe it will it will yes yes now we have to get to something that was brought to our attention by a friend of the pod andy kuzman um, guitar player for laser dad you know very very talented guy and really glad that he brought this album to our attention it's moving waves by the band focus um now w- this is not one that we probably would have ever thought of you know and it's not one that i i think i had heard before um but they have a very very interesting story had you heard much about them no the only thing i knew about focus was uh, back in college somebody sent me a video of them on the midnight special on nbc in 72 and the lead singer was whacked out of his mind on acid potentially gacked up on coke but i i think i think he's seeing things that aren't there during this entire performance because it's amazing it's this like super up-tempo rocked up performance of the song hocus pocus but it's it's like watching a guy in the throes of a demonic possession his face is going wild it's like the world's like craziest vinegar strokes i it was i (laughs) It was pretty. Wild. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah, that. Um, but really, overall, just a really pretty incredible album. You know, um, if folks haven't heard of the band Umphreys McGee, um, this was their the first iteration of that band. So if you're familiar with Umphreys McGee, you know, kind of jam band extraordinaires. Focus was the original iteration. So it's all the same original band members. They just decided at one point. I think they went to like Dublin, had an epiphany, and decided. You know, we're going to rename ourselves Umphreys McGee. Maybe it was a guy they met there. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, they back in the 70s when they started, you know, they really kind of kicked off that jam band movement. Um, the first song, Hocus Pocus, the first of all, the music is great. The guitar is incredible in this one. Lyrically, it's just about perfect. Yeah, I wouldn't change a syllable if you're if you're asking my opinion. Yeah, and I think it's it's really one of those ones that will kind of dig deep into you, into your soul, um, and make it so you, you kind of question the music that you've listened to before and, and wonder why you hadn't been listening to something this good previously. Well, it's just interesting because this song anticipated a lot of, like, it. it's a, like a, almost a proto-metal song. It anticipated <laughs> things like kind of like Ozzy Osbourne, Sabbath, like, it's this like very interesting proggy sound, but then like these lyrics, these very self-reflective lyrics that are at once they're psychedelic, but they're 
they're up there with some of the best pros if you just kind of take them in isolation mm-hmm. and you just and you like really sit there and take the time. It's a commitment. It's like reading Tolstoy, but like you have to really comb through the lyrics. And if you take the time, I promise you, you will be rewarded by what you find. It's it's yes. that good. Yes. And, it, you know, if they this is one of those things where, you know, if they were to sell their music catalog, you know, I don't think we're talking Bob Dylan numbers. I don't think we're talking even Beatles numbers. You know, I think we're we're talking into close to the billions, maybe. Um, just with the sheer volume that they came up with, and then even including the Humphreys McGee era of the band, you know, if you include all that, you know, I think you're into the the ten figures pretty easily. That's a lot of material, and I mean, also, I mean, for a band that started out in the Netherlands as a just a regular ass prog rock band, they got to number eight on the U.S. Billboards with the top two hundred with this album. I mean, so that that was what put them on the map, and now we see all the way up through to Humphreys, like how far they've come. Like, it would be an insanely valuable. I'm kind of like sort of salivating over what this catalog would net you. Yeah, I, I wonder if they'll ever out. sell it. Yeah, I wonder if they if they would ever sell it. Um, but the next song, really pretty interesting story behind this one as well. Um, Le Clochard. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, it is was made specifically for the Sears Corporation for their elevator music in their department stores. Um, so if you ever were in a Sears store, you know, I think they're all out of business now. Um, but if you were ever in a Sears store in the 90s or early 2000s, chances are you've heard this song already. And it, it really is kind of one of those songs that just, again, really digs into the heart of you, makes you question the music that you've listened to before because I wasn't sure that I, I don't know if there's other things that I can go back and listen to now. You know, I think the rest of music has kind of been ruined for me after these first two songs. Oh, look, say what you want to say about Sears as a corporation where it is now. But at the time when this deal was struck, not just anybody could get an original composition into Sears and into those elevators. I mean, that was not like I think people have this illusion of being in like a pack sun where you hear Len doing Steal My Sunshine or whatever fucking dog shit they play in there. Yeah. That's not, like, this This is, we're talking about a case of prestige here. Sears is a nationally recognized company. So this was huge for just a couple noodly jam band boys out of, out of Holland. I think we need to yeah. stop and recognize that, too. Yeah, nothing, nothing got me quite as excited to purchase a lawnmower as listening to this song in the elevator on the way to the to the lawn floor at a Sears store. Hell yeah, I'd buy a grill if I heard those guys crooning. Yeah. Um, Janice, this one doesn't have much of a backstory behind it. I mean, clearly was written about Janice Joplin. Mm-hmm. Um, I think three or four of the band members had an affair with her. I don't know if it was all congruent or if they were consecutive, um, but it's something that, you know, when you listen to this song, you can really hear the pain um, that was presented by, you know, dating Janis Joplin. And I think with her drinking problem and their acid problem, you know, the things that just didn't mix very well together. No, and it's it's tragic because think of, I mean, think of what they could have done if they, we talked about Stevie Nicks earlier. I mean, marry the kind of firepower that Janis Joplin has to what Focus is doing. And I mean, let's let's just pretend that they're all still around today. Like imagine Umphrey's fronted by Janis Joplin I know she'd be old but that voice was kind of built to go the distance so I I don't know one of those rare groups that I think would have still been producing 
into the modern era if if tragedy hadn't intervened. Yes. Um, and the next song on here, Moving Waves. Now, lyrically, and, and I'm including the, um, the Umphreys McGee era in this. Lyrically, this is the best that they've ever done. Um, it, it's one of the, you know, it's fitting that it's called Moving Waves because it's a very moving song. Mm-hmm. Um, it was covered later by another kind of songbird of our generation, Mark Gormley. Um, and it really, you know, it became an anthem. You know, and and I think when people look at that song, it really kind of encapsulates the moment that it was created. And it really is a it's an experience more than a song. Yeah, it it captured the spirit of the moment more than any song since I think maybe the material off of the Beach Boys Love You. The way that Mm -hmm. Brian Wilson was, again, anticipating trends, but writing about the current moment and writing about himself you have a lot of that on this song, and I think a lot of people are probably going to be familiar with the Mark Gormley version. It's it's pretty ubiquitous. It's like Mississippi Queen at this point. Yeah. Like you, you've heard it, and if you don't know you've heard it, your brain knows you've heard it. Um, but I would encourage people to go and listen to the the original version mm-hmm. of it. It's I dare say superior. Yes. Yeah. And speaking of superior, the next song, Focus Two, um, somehow was better than Focus One. Figure that somehow was yeah how that was able to happen because previous to this I don't think I'd ever heard a song better or really experienced anything at all songs life otherwise I've never experienced anything quite as good as Focus One Um, and then Focus Two was just I kind of felt like whatever you know acid that they were doing I felt like it was coming through the speakers. In that the sort of experience I was having and the sort of pictures that it was drawing in my mind for me uh, was just unlike anything I've experienced before in music. It's a, I mean, it's an insanely rich tapestry. And you look at something like uh, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, God, OK. So it's a band called Focus with an album called Focus. And there's a title track. So there's this song called Focus. I'm going to hate this. This is like a bad company situation. Yeah. But it it blew me away. And I knew at that point, I was like, that's their pinnacle. And the problem for this band is they are going to be chasing that dragon. We want to continue our like acid and drugs metaphor. They will be chasing that high for the rest of their careers. That's probably what's going to lead to their early disbandment and demise. I thought we were looking at like the worst case scenario. How do you top that? And then I found this album and Focus 2. And, you know, some people, I guess can peak twice yeah it's it's like you know that saying you know the brightest lights burn out the fastest and you know when when you heard focus you were like oh no you know there's only how much more creativity is there left in the tank there um but then you hear focus too and you realize that they're really just a forever comet you know they're forever going to be in the night sky whenever you need them they'll be there um as reliable as a gm truck you know they will be there yeah. yeah, I mean, and, and you know, with a little bit of tweaking and massaging there, those could very well have been lyrics from the song. That was beautiful, Jeff. Yes, thank you. Um, the last song that finishes it up is a song called Eruption. Um, now, this is a cover of the Van Halen song, Eruption, totally reimagined. So, you, so you're going to hear it and you're going to be like, wait, this is a cover. But then when you really listen, and I mean really, really listen, you're going to hear the complete and total inspiration for Eddie Van Halen's guitar playing here in this song. It really is an incredible piece of music. 
Yeah, it's the Dutch eruption, baby. There's nothing like it. Yeah, and that's not, you know, people might think the Dutch eruption is a references something else, a little more nefarious, you know, that people might do behind closed doors. But, you know, here it's one of the most beautiful moving pieces of music that I've ever listened to. Yeah, and I mean, to think of like, do you know the backstory behind this song at all? Uh, Yes, actually. So funny enough, there's a weird section in the song where when you listen to it, you're like, wow, this really doesn't sound great. It's actually the organ player kind of got stuck in the studio. You know, he was locked in there. So he was like, okay, well, if I'm playing as beautifully as I do normally, they're never going to think anything's wrong. So I'm just going to play as terribly as I possibly can and, and really make this sound like shit. Um, other, you know, so that maybe someone will be like, oh, there must be something terribly wrong. Maybe he's had a stroke or something. Let's go get him out of there. Um, and that's kind of where this came from. And they didn't get to him quite fast enough. And you'll hear when you listen to the guitar part of the song and the guitar solos, he actually fell onto the guitar and broke it, but it was plugged into the amp. So that's what you're hearing is, is kind of this really strange kind of space rock that he played with his, with his butt. Because that's where he that's where he fell onto the the guitar. Yeah, and I mean like, haha, he fell over on his bum bum and hit the the notes on the keyboard. But I mean, look what it did, look what it produced. And I like yeah. that they committed to that as an aesthetic on this song. It was like a field recording. They kept mm-hmm. the original guitar solo takes from when Frank Zappa burst into the fucking recording studio and straight up attacked Ackerman, who is the the lead guitarist to focus. And now, now of Humphreys, um, yeah. he just straight up because Frank Zappa was a big no drugs guy, wouldn't let his mm-hmm. band do it, didn't do him himself. His vice was hot dog sandwiches and cigarettes. So mm-hmm. you're sharing studio space with these guys who are gacked up on acid all the time to an extreme degree. And you have shenanigans like locking the fucking organist in the, the practice space. And he's, you know, it, that's not a well ventilated area. So. Zappa's trying to cut this other album around this time. It would probably would have been um, Weasel's Rip My Flesh. Um, but I think he was in his end of the studio working and he just hears this whole thing. He's like, fuck this. I, and he has a starter pistol. And he's like, I'm just going to mm-hmm. walk in and I'm going to fire five shots at the first person I see. And it's blank. So they won't die, but they'll think they're being shot to death mm-hmm. by a crazed Frank Zappa. And he kicked in the fucking door and the fucking gun didn't go off but we i mean we we got the energy of that performance because you hear like the strange segues that the music makes it's like very clearly stitched together they had to cut it because they legally didn't have the rights to his voice so they couldn't keep any of the things he was shouting in there yeah so you'd have to take that out and then just stitch in this other material from later in the recording it's yeah it's like a fascinating piece of music history and he you know they, it's hard to find in the history books, but if you really dig, you can find this. Um, Frank Zappa was actually so upset about not being given writing credit on this song um, that he burned down the mantra. And that thusly created the song Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple. So I think you could really say without focus, there would never have been a Deep Purple. Yeah, you'd never have. Bow, 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 bow. Think about your life without that. Just look it up. You'll, we're, we're correct. If you Google Frank Zappa, Smoke on the Water, it proves beyond a shadow of a doubt that's what it's about and everything we've said is true. Yep. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say drop what you're doing right now and stream this album. It's incredible. 
it'll change your life. Yes. And friend of the pod, Andy, thank you for, for suggesting this one. Um, it was a pleasure. Thanks, man. It was. It was a treat. Yes. Now, to get to, and it really this is going to feel like kind of a disappointment, I think, compared to the, to the Focus album, but a little lady named Megan The Stallion just released an album called Good News, and boy howdy, was it good news. You ain't kidding, Jeff. And this news does not come out of the Austin American Statesman, I'll tell you that much. No, no. These, uh, I, I don't think a lot of it is fit for print, um, as they say. No. <laughs> um, and, you know, so we're going to do our best here with this album. There's a lot of lyrics in this album that <laughs> yeah. we're just not going to be able to say on the podcast. Um, you know, she does have, uh, you might even say, a bit of a potty mouth. Um, but we're going to be doing our best to kind of give you a look at what the album is about and overall just kind of our impression about it. Um, so this is about to be some real white boy shit. Yeah. Yeah. The, re- the uh, realist. The- Yes. Uh, So the first song called Shots Fired. Now, this one is in reference to, if you weren't aware, she did get shot um, by an artist named Tory Lanez. Um, And apparently it was with a 22 pistol in the back of an SUV or something like that. But she got shot in the foot. And she goes on to whatever pain she that was inflicted upon her by this pistol she delivered back tenfold with this song. I mean, he's uh, apparently very small in stature. So she uses words like shrimp um, to describe him. And I can't rightly imagine anything quite as emasculating as hearing this song if you're Tory Lanez. Well, I mean, and like, I guess I'll start off with when you're discussing the genre of rap and you're the the artists within rap itself are somewhat constrained to certain things right like you don't necessarily see a lot of rap that's about like let's go party down by the creek and like like you're in or you're out with rap there's like a specific style and a specific culture around it and then even further into that you have the world of female rappers and i would dare say at this point Female rappers are becoming far more interesting than male rappers. Oh, yeah. And their culture is so completely fucking different from anything the men are doing. So it's automatically one of the most interesting things in the world. I mean that like completely sincerely. Mm-hmm. It's super interesting to look at what they're doing. Someone like Doja Cat, Nicki Minaj, Megan The Stallion, there's a lot that you can get out of this if you just engage with the album so like i think people have a tendency to be like oh well it's you know Nicki minaj is on the radio and is super popular like who gives a shit like if you're kind of a music snob you might not give this one a look but i highly suggest that you do specifically because a song like shots fired is so fucking brilliant because she discusses the shooting which everybody wants to know about she gets it right out of the way off the top because she's like, this isn't going to define the rest of what I've got to say on the album. So mm-hmm. fuck you. This is all you get on the matter. I will eviscerate him because that's what I do best. And I'm also going to do this brilliant, insidious thing where I put him in a song that's not just about him. It's about the injustice perpetrated on black women everywhere. Specifically going to name drop Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. And how there's no justice for her. The men who killed her, 
have not been brought to justice. And I'm going to talk about them in the same breath that I'm talking about the guy that shot me in the foot. It's just like absolutely brilliant stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and you know, again, like there's it's very clever. And when it's kind of disappointing that we can't really say a lot of the lyrics on here um because when you listen to this and, and if you read through the lyrics um it, it really is there's so many clever little touches that she does and she is a very talented rapper um a lot of people you know look at female rappers as, as kind of a gimmick you know because they you know they have they focus so much on style and they focus so much on on being a celebrity and that kind of stuff but what you need to look at is the reason that they're so famous, a Cardi B or a Nicki Minaj or a Doja Cat or a Megan Thee Stallion, is because they have real, true, legitimate knockout talent for this mm-hmm. music. Um, and when you listen to Megan Thee Stallion, this is one of the better debut albums, I think, that has come out in recent history. Because top to bottom, I don't think there was any song that I was disappointed with or that I would have considered skipping. Um, you know, I know we're going to focus on certain ones because, you know, there's 17 songs on it and it'd be a two and a half hour podcast if we need, went through every single one. Um, but right off the bat, you just get a sense for the lyrical density that she's capable of, as well as the talent that she has in rhyming, in scheme, um, in structure, all of it. It's just Everything in its place is just perfect. Yeah, and she is in, I think, a really interesting position because her mom was a rapper, and she got in. Um, Megan the Stallion got into. I guess Megan Pete is her real name. Um, mm-hmm. Got super into rapping from a really early age, and her mom was like, "I support you, but I want you to wait until you're 21, just because like entering that world, like yes, sharpen your skills now, but make a full push for it at 21." Because people are sketchy. I don't want my young child being taken advantage of. So it sounds like she had a talented, supportive mom who Mm. helped her hone her craft. And she obviously had an innate talent for it because she went viral at – she's 25. She went viral at 15 for beating other dudes in these rap battles. She would just wrap circles around them. So she's like – she really is kind of a singular talent. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and and really, as an opener, you know, you're not going to find many better songs than this one. I mean, yep. just, I mean, I would put this right up there with like Ether, um, with Who Shot Ya, Who Shot Ya. I was going to say, you know, like any of those classic, classic battle rap songs. This this goes right there alongside all of those because I can't imagine being Tory Lanez the first time you hear this song. And <laughs> what do you What do you even say? Every Every bit of you, she tore down to the to the barest sense like it's just ridiculous how much she eviscerated him in this song you're gonna have to take it up with the rest of the lollipop guild at that point (laughs) bad news for him um the next song circles um has a really great sample the beat is really good and you kind of this one i kind of get a sense of how great a voice she has for this for for this sort of music yeah and and as we'll talk about on a later song she i think if she wanted to, and clearly has some interest in it, could definitely make the leap to a less, like, rap kind of lends itself. You're not really focusing on, like, let me hit those high notes and the perfect melody and all that stuff. But if she wanted to take a little diversion in much the way that, like, a Nicki Minaj has done or a Doja Cat has done and 
blend in more of her singing with her rapping or straight up just do a song where she's strictly singing, mm-hmm. she could do a lot with it. She's there. There's a voice in there, too, not just a voice in the abstract sense, like her her sense of style and the way she carries herself and how she writes. But like the way that her voice sounds, there's something interesting in there, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the next song she does, Cry Baby with DaBaby, um, who is also kind of, you know, current, very, very popular rapper and very talented in his own right. Um, this one is a, uh, it's a graphic one. This is one of those ones that we're not, <laughs> we're not going to quote from on the pod here. Yeah, I wrote down next to this one, well, it would seem Miss Megan has a very active sex life. <laughs> yes, yes, I think that would be a fair, fair assumption. Um, as well as with the next song that she does with City Girls, um, who are also Houston rappers, um, where Megan Thee Stallion is from, and they collaborate quite a bit. I think they kind of came up together, you know, and did shows together, stuff like that. So they're very familiar with each other. Um, and this is another one um, that is uh, quite a graphic, quite a graphic song. Yeah, do it all on the tip. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the, just the thing about this is, is Crybaby was a little more. I don't want to call it throwaway, but it didn't necessarily take a super like nuanced perspective of mm-hmm. her sex life, I think. But with something like Do It on the Tip, she kind of explores more what it's like to be uh, a female rapper who's talking about her sexuality because it's way different, as we'll talk about in many things, especially the next song. It's one topic that's completely different for men and women in rap. So, mm-hmm. like, men in rap can be like, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm, i like, suddenly super bashful about, like, what I want to say <laughs> and not say. I'm like, this is the pod where I decide to keep it PG. So I'll try to do, like, a super PG'd up version of rap. But basically, like, I went out and I saw a girl who was super hot to me and I definitely hooked up with her later. Just imagine me saying yeah. real graphic shit that you've heard. Yeah. anatomical stuff <laughs> but <laughs> like but like that's the thing is like I, like i guess to not to like make my point a male rapper can sing about like you know go out and get the pussy kind of thing yeah and it's it's seen as this dominant move and it's how you prove that you're you have any kind of fucking cred in the game is how many women you sleep with and how much they love it and so megan the stallion on the flip side is just like your ego is involved in it. That's fine. But like your ego is involved in it from a place of insecurity. My ego comes into play because I'm the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And that's a guarantee. goddamn T. So let's do this fucking thing. And I just yeah. love the confidence that she comes through on this one. Yeah. I love the Bret Hart reference on that one too. Yeah. You're welcome. Well done. Um, it, the next song, Sugar Baby. Now, this one, lyrically, again, is <laughs> quite graphic, um, but I wanted to specifically mention this one because the beat and the synth line are just incredible. Musically, this song just sucks me right in. I will absolutely be going back to this song multiple times because it is an absolute jam, the way they put this one together. The producer um, is hell of a beats, and it seems like this is kind of his style. And it's really good. It's just that kind of really got that poppy dance music kind of vibe to it, but just very pretty aggressive lyrics. Like yeah. you would expect from Megan Thee Stallion at this point on the album. Yeah. No, it was. It was like musically great, super aggressive lyrics. But again, I love that like a male rapper, if he's singing about his wealth, his 
bragging about his wealth. He's he's peacocking. It's to attract women to him. Yeah. Look at everything that I have. Look how much I spent on this or that or the other thing. And Megan the Stallion is basically it's just like talking about all the money she's gonna spend on his behalf. Like how yeah. much of that money that he makes she's gonna take has plenty of her own, but it's just financial domination. Yet another fucking pseudo sexual kink where it's like he's gonna brag about what a big man he is. Or at, to quote Nicki Minaj, you can be the king, but watch the queen conquer. Yep. So she's just going to come in there and be like, I've got my own shit, but if you insist on these gender roles where you flash a bunch of money and I'm supposed to be impressed, why don't you impress me to the tune of a new Xbox? Yeah. And she says, you know, specifically, oh, you want to see my nails when they're done? Shit, pay for them. Yeah. I yeah. fucking love it. Yeah. It's, it's just very, and she's also very clever. Like, not only just at scheme and, and rhyme and things like that, but she's funny. Like her line, she, she has lots and lots of punchlines on this album, and they like I catch myself laughing quite a bit through the whole thing. She, it's just great, yeah. The humor makes all the difference because someone like Nicki Minaj can be hella confrontational. So can Cardi B, where like you almost feel a little threatened listening to the music sometimes. Yeah. and then like Doja Cat doesn't take herself seriously enough sometimes, and yeah. Megan The Stallion is like right in the pocket. Yeah, she knows when to like throw in a fart reference to a song and then she also knows when to be like no this is serious time I'm, I'm talking to you shut up yeah yeah she's very very good at, at picking her spots you know I, I would I would assume she's going to have a very very long career doing this if this is any indication of her talent um, and what she has left in the tank I, I can imagine she's going to be at the top for for quite a long time um, the next song she does with Lil Durk called movie um, this one again Another graphic one. It's kind of from the perspective of a stripper and also the hype man for the stripper that, you know, she's the stripper. Lil Dark plays the hype man. I wanted to point out one specific line in this one um, that once again got me laughing pretty hard. And this was a little dark line, actually. Um, the strip club got the best chicken wings. Give me six. <laughs> <laughs> that is and it's just good. one of those things where it's like, you know, I've only ever been to one in my life you know what i mean so it's like i've got no frame of reference for that but it's just funny to me when you hear about people talking about how good the buffet is at a strip club or like how good the wings are at a strip club like i think in atlanta there's a place called magic city mm -hmm. where all anybody ever talks about is how good the wings are and it's just <laughs> funny to me that that it's a strip club where you're getting those wings and it's just that, that 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 will always be something that i find a little ridiculous but will always find hysterical I mean, you're talking to the guy who wanted to spend Thanksgiving at the landing strip in Austin just to do it for the story. And unfortunately, <laughs> my family had other plans. Yeah. Damn so. them. <laughs> I wonder if it would be at all similar to the Friday Night Lights landing strip. I, I'm sure it's not. I just like I know at that point, I think that was the year your dad came in for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I just looked at Rory and I was like, the two of us should just not go home for Thanksgiving and go to the landing strip and eat turkey there. I would assume they're going to have some kind of spread. <laughs> and then my parents were like, no, why would you not come home for Thanksgiving? Would you hate us? And I was like, oh, Italian guilt triggered. <laughs> I'll see you Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I remember my dad came down. We uh, we made Thanksgiving dinner. Um, Rory was there, and we asked we asked him, like, Rory, come down, you know, have some food with us. He came down for, like, 10 minutes, ate a plate of Thanksgiving food, went back up and kept playing video games. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. 
<laughs> went back up to his cave classic um next song on the on the album freaky girls this one she does with SZA. SZA. Um, this one has much more of a you know gets into kind of like the r&b vibe obviously with SZA on there that's that's where it's going to kind of head um again very very graphic song um but it's got a very west coast beat to it like those old snoop dogg dr dre albums you know just that very kind of woo woo like that kind of synth line in there and you know apologies to the listeners for that but you know just to give you the idea of what kind of beat it has to it uh very good song yeah and a little uh have you ever listened to SZA's album control yes yeah it's really fucking good you talk about that west coast sound on there funny thing about that album too she's such a perfectionist and did so much tinkering with the album that the release kept getting like pushed back and pushed back and pushed back Mm -hmm. Finally, the record label showed up and were like, we're taking your fucking hard drive. The album's done. They basically had to like pry it out of her like cold, panicked hands. She was just that into what she was doing. It's such so that's like a tandem recommendation. Go listen to Good News by Megan Thee Stallion. Listen to uh, Moving Waves by Focus. But listen to Control, C-T-R-L by SZA, S-Z-A. Wow, that sounds like some Eddie and the Cruisers, like Seasons in Hell. Kind of yeah, shit, right. you know, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, the next song, Body. Now, this one, I think, other than Savage, is the biggest hit from the album so far, and it is a bop, an absolute bop. This one, yeah, is completely in celebration of you know, Megan the Stallion's already talked about how she loves having sex, she's really good at it, but if that is the the Ferrari, right? Her sex is the car. Yeah. Her body is the engine. And this yeah. is all about her singing the praises of her body and what she can do with it. And I just got to say, and I'll try not to be a fucking pig about it, <laughs> she's real easy on the eyes, this Megan the Stallion. I would not <laughs> kick her out of the marital bed for eating cookies. And that's all I have to say on the matter. She's lovely. Yes, um, she is, a, yeah, quite a good-looking lady. Um, don't worry, fiancé of the pod, Marla, still love you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Yeah, um, I'm moving in on the stallion. Don't worry. I've got it covered. Yes. He's going to marry, well, got to marry Casey Musgraves first. The stallion can be your second wife. I like it. Ooh, the stallion could be your second wife. That's, yeah. Vinny, start recording. I got a hit song. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next song is one it's called what's new and this is one i wanted to specifically bring up uh because you know i don't listen to a ton of rap these days certainly not as aware of of it as i as i used to be um but i did used to listen to a whole lot you know with dmx dr dre you know that kind of mid to late 90s into the early 2000s era um you know g unit Young Buck, all these people that really had very, very aggressive music was was really the style of rap that I really enjoyed listening to. Um, I don't know who is a great battle rapper these days, but she has got to be somebody that people probably don't necessarily want to get into a battle with because it seems like she is just can cut you down to, to your worst insecurities. Yep. I, yeah, and I honestly would love to go back and see if there's any old footage of her in, in like rap battles because I bet it is a sight to behold. She's so goddamn quick. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's, and I can't even, and with the sheer amount of, you know, the lyrical density on the album leads me to believe that she's able to come up with a lot of stuff just right off the top of her head. Um, so that if it was a real, like a freestyle kind of battle, she'd probably just fine just as easily as she would be if it was a recorded song that she then released. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't think there's any, any venue where I would want to consider stepping in if it was on the opposite side of where she's at. No, I politely decline. If she needs a date to the cinema, I'm there. If she wants to fight in the battle rap arena, no. I don't yeah. need to be humiliated like that. Yeah, she can she can find another Patsy, that's for sure. Yeah. Um next song is Work That. Now, this one surprised me because as I'm going through the lyrics, you know, I try to take a look at if, you know, she had somebody else write it, if it's cover, you know, I try to take a look at the credits and see what's what with this. And I see the name R. Kelly on this. Mm-hmm. And if people aren't aware of R. Kelly, he is a massive piece of shit. You know, has a laundry list of sexual assault allegations, even so far as like basic like sex trafficking, you know, almost enslaving girls, like psychologically and stuff, like very, very bad dude. So when I saw his name on here, I was like, what is he doing on this album? And it's got to be just like a musical sample or something that they use for this. But man, oh man, was I a little worried for a bit. Yeah, and I think it's the kind of thing where I don't think, may, I. what do I know? I'll, I'll know her better someday when we're married. But I don't <laughs> presume to know her thoughts on R. Kelly. But I would assume from what you can gather from this album, she doesn't suffer fucking fools like that. And she's got other women's back. So I don't think she would. And hey, prove me wrong if you can find out what his contribution was, if it was just a sample they used and had to credit him for, like you have to give Gary Glitter credit when you use (laughs) so like if it's that kind of situation, that's what I'm assuming it is. I I don't, I don't envision a world where she's like, you know who would be great to get to guest on this song? R Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't, I can't imagine that's, that's something that would happen. At least I hope not. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next song is one she does with a, a, I guess a legendary dance hall artist, Pop Can. Pop Con. Yeah. Um, you know, this is just a really wholesome love song. Yeah. Yeah. About you know, daggering nothing, on the dance floor. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing dirty about it. You know, it's just if, you know, if you're watching a show from the fifties, like, or like the Wonder Years when, you know, whatever the kid's name was and, and Winnie had their first kiss. The song like Intercourse would be the one that was playing in the background for that. Yeah. Nostalgic, tasteful. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, the next song is one that I personally love strictly because it has two chains on it. It's called Go Crazy. Um, I just love two chains because I don't know if there's a more ridiculous human being in rap music and just the way that he can put together words, you read them. It's the kind of thing where you read the lyrics and you're like, how does this work? Like, how does this put together? And you hear him sing it, rap it. And you're like, okay, that's exactly how it works. This guy is fucking hysterical every time. Yeah. I haven't really sat under the two chains tree too extensively. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that kind of like fell into ubiquity for me. Mm-hmm. Like someone like Megan, the stallion is going to stand out from a crowd. Um, Someone for me, like, I'm trying to think on the men's side of things. Um, I don't know. Someone like Lil Wayne, because I I remember listening to uh, Six Foot Seven, whatever the fucking song is actually called. Six um, Foot Seven Foot? Yeah. 
Fucking yeah. bitch real G's move in silence like lasagna is such a wonderful little nerdy turn of phrase. And I think I've said on the show before, but rappers are the new English lit nerds who mm-hmm. just like to play around with their phrasing. And it, like, I take notice of stuff like that. And I think, unfortunately, someone like 2 Chains just like never really made it onto my radar. Yeah. So certainly... you'll, have to, you'll have to make some recommendations for me. He is clever in that he is not clever where he basically says the most obvious things but like in run the jewels um on their new album he said you know i'd buy a hot dog stand if i'm trying to be frank you know it's just like really dumb stuff or she had a big booty so i called her big booty you know like just dumb stuff like that where it's like did he really just put that in a song but he delivers it with the confidence that you're just like yeah he did and it was funny and it was perfect that makes all the difference it's like to uh, be topical in the song wap Cardi B has that line where she's like, I want you to hit that little dangly thing that swings in the back of my throat, which like compared to other lyrics in the song and other lyrics in the world is like pretty much just stream of consciousness. But what's great about it thematically is it's reflective of like, she's so horny at this point. She can't do words good. So she just has to be like, hit that <laughs> little dangly thing. Just, just do it already. Yeah, yeah. So again, it's one of those like really smart, inclusions it's like you know people that aren't in the know will just be like oh cardi b isn't she outrageous you gotta dig deeper into the web yeah yeah and i i think we found our our sample for for this week (laughs) (laughs) um and the next so the next song is one that we both agreed um beforehand that this was one that we thought was a standout on the album that's don't rock me to sleep um, now, this one gave me a very, like, kind of 80s pop vibe, and it was just very, very good. Um, and like you were mentioning, it definitely focuses more on her singing rather than her rapping. Yeah, it's like the most musical song on the entire album where, like, oftentimes, like, the beats are utility, right? It's just like, that's what you're riding on as you deliver the the message. Yeah. But this is a song that was, I think, it certainly seems to be designed music first, almost like that's kind of how it feels like it came into existence because of the way that it's structured. Yeah. And it's, and it's definitely, um, you know, it's, it's about a breakup. You know, she does talk, you know, a lot of shit on this album, about a lot of people, um, she doesn't really open up emotionally very often on this album, but she really does on this song. You know, somebody clearly treated her terribly, but it still has that, swagger you know it still has that confidence that she exhibits throughout the rest of the album but it's just a little bit more vulnerable a little bit more honest about how she's really feeling you know and i think you know i don't think she ever tries to hide how she's feeling or try to like keep it below the surface because she's going to seem weak or anything like that i think she just really is that confident in herself that when someone wrongs her you know there's no there's very rarely a oh i can't believe they would do that to me like you know, I'm, I can't believe they would hurt me like that. It's it's really like, well, if you don't like me, then fuck you too. You know, yeah. I think it's that there's a difference, you know, between how she reacts to things. And this is a situation where she definitely opens up a little bit uh, more than she does in the other songs. And, and maybe this person did something that hurt her a little more than the others did. Yeah, I would agree. And even her vitriol is like super nuanced and interesting. It's not just like, mm-hmm. fuck you, motherfucker. Like, she'll drop that every now and then but she's way more interested in like you know this is not an exercise in pity this is just me telling you what the facts are 
and I'm allowed to be angry. I'm allowed to be bitter, but it doesn't define me. And you are a blip along the way as opposed to anything formative. Like, to think that you get any kind of cloud off of any role you played in my life is foolish on your end because yeah. all you've done is motivate me, not really have any real impact, which is the biggest dagger of all. You don't fucking matter. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the... that. And if, if you really want to cut someone deep, and if they thought they've been important to you and you tell them they're not, like that's about as bad as it gets. Yep. Yeah, that's about as bad as it gets. Um, the next song is called Outside, and this one was produced by Juicy J. And for no other reason did I think this one was that interesting than Juicy J is still doing it. Yeah, the last time I think I ever heard Juicy J mentioned in any context was uh, that Dark Horse song, Katy Perry. Oh, yeah. Great song. That, that was song like the last. Yeah. Yeah, I like that song. I was going to say Hustle and Flow, but then you reminded me about Dark Horse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's good to see you again, Juicy. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, I should say Academy Award winner, Juicy J. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I think they're the only rap artists, um, him and I forget, Big Paul, I think is the guy's name in, in 3-6 Mafia. I think mm-hmm. they're the only rappers that have ever won an Oscar. That's good for yeah. them. Yeah, good for that. That's fucking sweet. Yeah. Um, The next song is probably the biggest hit uh, from the album. It's been out for quite a while now is uh, Savage Remix with a lesser known person. Maybe some people have heard of her, Beyonce. Yeah, it's pretty cool that Megan Thee Stallion kind of helps a hometown girl. They're both from Houston, apparently. So, yeah. It's kind of cool to help a hometown girl out. Yeah, finally Beyonce can kind of break out of the the real regional kind of stuff she was doing. Like I've I've heard of her down here in Austin. Yeah, you know, but it's I'm glad to know the rest of the country is finally going to be aware aware of her. Yeah, and she'll step out of Solange's shadow and you know come into her own. It's pretty neat. Yeah, it's good to see. Um, and it was nominated for you know at the Grammys this upcoming round is nominated for record of the year best rap performance and best rap song so hopefully we'll take one of those home because i think megan the stallion certainly deserves to take home some awards for this album yeah in a year where like we talked about the bullshit with the weekend and we'll we'll talk more about it when it gets closer to ceremony time Mm -hmm. um halsey has some conspiracy theories about it so like it's a giant fuck around the 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 grammys are a goddamn mess but they do establish industry tastes so for someone like Megan the Stallion to win, part of me goes, oh, don't call it a sham because when people you like win, it's good for them. It's good yeah. for business. But it can be two things. It can be a sham that is also an important credential to help someone that you love go further. Yeah. So I do hope she wins as much as I kind of have an innate distaste for award shows for art. Yeah. I think she 100% should get something in recognition of her work. Yeah, and I will say that Halsey being upset that she's not going to be nominated or win any Grammys <laughs> is like me being upset that I don't play for the Yankees. That's very apt, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just, I'm just going to put that out there. Let me clarify. Uh, <laughs> I don't give a shit about Halsey. I just happened to mention her beef with the situation. Yeah, she saw the weekend saying like, well, I'm pissed and the weekend rightly, you know, deservedly so being being upset about it, being like, hey, yeah, me too. I'm mad too. Yeah. I'm just yeah. like you, weekend. Yeah. We're both mad that neither of us got nominated. It's like, okay, well, you should you should be happy just being considered, maybe. Yeah. You should be <laughs> you're lucky anyone calls you a musician. Yeah. Um and the next song is a not a cover 
definitely a sample, but really, I think a tribute, I would say, kind of, um, is Girls in the Hood. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with the Easy e song back in the day, Boys in the Hood, this one has the same beat. She definitely mentions Girls in the Hood, you know, does the same sort of cadences throughout the song. And it is really, really good. And again, it's the dichotomy we talk about, the the male rapper and the female rapper. It's two completely different perspective. It's why this is a smart move to capitalize off of a well-known song to give that antithetical perspective on it. And Easy es daughters were split on this. On mm-hmm. One of the daughters felt blindsided by the use and didn't really like that Megan the Stallion was able to get it when they themselves, who I, I believe are both recording artists too, yeah, um, they have a hard time licensing their own father's shit. It's just that difficult. And so the one daughter was like kind of sour grapes about somebody else having the ease of access to her father's legacy. But the other daughter took a more philosophical approach and was like, hey, this is great for our dad. I mean, 2020 and he's still shining on. So yeah. I prefer to look at it as a tribute done by someone more than competent who's doing it out of love. So best yeah. case scenario, I would say it's not like it got used in a fucking Arby's jingle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, and it, it is really, really good. I mean, she, deli- the way she delivers it too is you can tell that this is probably music that she grew up listening to, you know, that yep. this is not, you know, it's not that this got suggested by a record label. Oh, you should do this song. It's probably that she wanted to, that she's like, I want to pay tribute to the folks that I listened to that kind of, taught me how to hone my skills um and you know easy not really known as like the greatest rapper of all time by any means um but very well known for the attitude and the style that he brought to you know gangster rap in you know the early late 80s early 90s um with nwa and just you know he his persona was kind of like bigger than life and i think you know she pays tribute to that because i think really her persona is kind of getting bigger than life as well, where it's like Megan the stallion as a person, I think is a lot less accessible than Megan the stallion as, you know, kind of a commodity, you mm-hmm. know, and I think it's, you know, whether it's fashion or music or, you know, whatever Avenue she is interested in, you know, I think her persona is more valuable to people at this point than just her as a person, even though obviously it's her, that's the driving force behind all of it. But it's very, it's cool to see her kind of just, pay pay homage to that the past people that have that have been doing this um but still like in picking this song in particular you know it's easy not being the greatest rapper ever um but still like the attitude in this song the what this song did you know as far as numbers you know sales and everything like that it's like it was a massive massive hit and her taking this on is also pretty ballsy because if you don't do this song right you know it's it's going to be bad for you because everybody knows how good the original was and if you don't do anything even close to that it's a problem and she knocks it out of the park yeah i mean there was the potential to be eaten alive you know if this was if this had been a studio decision where they were like here you go the label wants you to do this and they just foisted it off someone who had no love for it it was it was going to be the death now but since she was in charge of the whole thing you're right it's a it's a Loving tribute from someone who's a student of the game. Yeah, yeah, very, very good. Um, and a big name in this one that I that I noticed, Scott Storch, gets writing credits on this one. Scott Storch. 
blast from the past. If you folks want to look up some Scott Storch, Scott Storch songs, go ahead and do that. But then also look up what happened with Scott Storch's money because he was not very good at managing that. What happened to Scott Storch's money? Oh, well, he made tons and tons of money. I mean, he was a big time producer for a while, but he spent way more than he ever brought in. Just thinking that it was just, you know, this ride is going to last forever. Like basically like, oh, I, I make songs. It's like an ATM. I'll just write another one when I need more money. And uh, didn't didn't work out like that for him. Scott, come on, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be better uh, than that. Yeah, and I mean, he made some great songs. Um, off the top of my head, I can't really think of of any, but it was like late '90s, early 2000s. Like he was a big time producer. Um, it's just funny seeing his name on there, right alongside Ice Cube, Dr. Dre, Easy E. You know, obviously they get all the the writing credits as well because they did the original. But it's just very very funny seeing Scott Storch and R. Kelly credited on this album. Yeah, I'm like, who the fuck is Scott Storch? So, but that interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I will say, do do some research out on that line, listeners. Figure that one out, and, and it's a pretty funny story of that guy. Well, not funny if you're Scott Storch, but for the rest of us, pretty <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, the last song on the album is called Don't Stop, and this is one she does with Young Thug. And I don't think I've, – I've heard of Young Thug. I don't think – I think he's in that meme. Uh, you know, he's, like, in a recording studio, and he's, like, intently looking down at a computer or maybe a mixing board or something like that. But people are, like – and there's a guy sitting behind him, and it's, like, oh, it's – you know, when your big brother's helping you do your homework and you're just like sitting there watching him and he's the big brother looking down. I think that's him in that meme. That's about all I know about it. And I can't say I really liked his verse in this one really at all. Yeah, it was. It's a, a little bit of to carry over from last week. Um, Miley Cyrus, Dua Lipa syndrome, where mm-hmm. one person is clearly the superior and the other person yep. can either work that much harder, which in the case of Dua Lipa she was like, oh, my God, listen to what Miley Cyrus is doing. I'd better bring my A game. Yeah. I want to rise to that level. Whereas I don't want to put words or notions in Young Thug's mouth, but I could see it be a type of situation where he's like, it's a girl. What do I have to do? I just show up and yeah. was outclassed by a rising star. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Severely outclassed. Uh, it just was a – She. It, I mean, she's better than most – people anyway but when you put her on a song with somebody that you know at least like big sean and two chains you know held their own city yep. girls held their own you know megan the stallion i think is just a a tour de force of talent right now and i think hopefully not even at her creative peak yet hopefully she's still got tons and tons more to to, to release but yeah young thug just did not step up to the plate on this one yeah he didn't really hold up his end of the bargain no um i will say overall absolutely positively stream this album 100%. I think this was a really, really incredible debut. If this is kind of, you know, portends what's to come for Megan Thee Stallion, I am very interested in what she does from here on out. It's great. The album is fun as fuck. And if you want to listen to some good rap, you just do it. Like it's like time to get rid of the qualifier of like, if you'd like to listen to a good female rapper, like fuck that. If you want to listen to good rap, Listen to Megan the Stallion. Yeah. And I think, you know, I don't know. Again, I haven't listened to like a ton of rap. What I hear is generally what fiance of the pod like plays around, you know, and, and the rap that I listen to will be the stuff that I always used to listen to, like DMX, Eminem mm-hmm. and all the all the stuff that the rest of us white kids in Vermont would listen to in the, in the late <laughs> yeah. 90s, early 2000s. Um, so I don't know like a ton about it, but, you know, Cardi B, Megan the Stallion, Nicki Minaj, Doja Cat, you know, they, they're really, they really are leading 
the industry right now, as far as I know. Um, you know, I know guys like DaBaby and even someone like Tory Lanes, they have their shine as well. But I just don't know how you can be much more talented than Megan the Stallion is and certainly showcased it on this album. Yeah, definitely. And I will say, especially in reference to like Nicki Minaj, a little more established, but um, Doja Cat, Cardi B, Megan the Stallion, certainly. They all have a lot of things in common and they they it would be tempting to say, oh, well, they're all being commoditized in the same way. It's these women, these absurdly proportioned women who do the scantily clad videos and wear the bright colors and all, you know, rap about the same things. But the similarities are like purely cosmetic, I would say, because if you listen to their approach, they're different. Like style is such a huge thing in rap, too. Mm -hmm. So like the way that they'll attack a rap, the verbiage that they use, the, the style in which they do it could not be more different. So, yeah. This is one of those things that's worth turning over more stones and seeing what's underneath. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think she's she's on a bunch of other songs, too, you know, with other with other artists and everything. So it's absolutely worth digging in, finding some other artists that you that you like to listen to, because I think she's also kind of and she can be kind of selective about who she works with. Um, And and she's just kind of like on the rise, a meteor, you know, whatever you want, whatever hyperbole you want to say, it will fit with her because she is that good yep yeah um all right so i mean that's i think we're right about an hour right now i think we're right at the right at our target time um so i will say is there anything else that you would like to add in um i want to talk about real briefly the next couple episodes yeah because i looked at our release schedule and so this one will come out and then Whatever we decide to do next will come out the week of Christmas. Then there's one week left in the year. And we had talked about doing our best and worst of 2020. Yep. So I'm thinking maybe that, in lieu of an album, should be the last episode of the year. Absolutely. Which means we got to pick one more album to bring the first season of Out on That Line to a close. Yeah. I think, um, you know, hopefully we'll get some audience submissions. Again, folks, you know. The year is coming to the end. Out on that line is not. So we're going to do right. that that episode. So just give us the album submissions. You know, we will get to them eventually. Um, you know, I know Andy had requested Focus a couple weeks ago. I hate that it took us that long because, you know, I can't believe I waited that long to listen to that album. Um, but, you know, I really, we really do appreciate hearing that. You know, Megan the Stallion was a suggestion from Fiance of the Pod Marla. Um Miley Cyrus is one that we were anticipating, but I think we've, we've got a good mix so far and it, and it's definitely almost preferable, you know, when we hear from the audience and they tell us what they want to hear. Um, so we'll have to come up with one for next week. Hopefully we get a submission for that, but I'm sure we'll be able to dig in and find something new that we're both excited about. Um, but if also, you know, if you folks have some best ofs this year or worst ofs, we could do two episodes, you know, a little double feature to end the year. Uh, worst of 2020 as well as the best of 2020 Mm -hmm. i think that'd be a fun little fun little game to play um and you know just let us know if you've got something that falls on either of those lists because you know we're gonna have our own opinions about that but you know if you've got something you really hate or you really love tell us we'd love to talk about it please go follow our socials um and keep an eye out i think we're gonna start having some new versions of content here 
coming out. We've been talking about it. We're going to keep it under wraps for now um, just to make sure that we we get it right and we do it right because when we roll the stuff out, we want to make sure that it's ready to go for you. We don't want to be working it out while you guys are are consuming that content. So we want to make sure we get it right before we release it, but we'll make sure we give you a heads up. Um, Till then, follow us on our socials. That's Instagram out on that line, Twitter out on that line one. Um, You find us on all major podcast networks. Email us at line at gmail.com. Again, any of those methods, if you have our personal phone numbers, you can go ahead and send us texts for album submissions. Or if you have something else, music news that you want us to touch on, any of that is all gravy. Any of that is all game. Um, We also forgot to mention, we also have a Facebook page now. Um, We felt like it was time. So if you want to go ahead and follow us on that, we're also going to be posting any new content, uh, just another way to interact with us. So if you've got suggestions, anything like that, Facebook is great because it has the comments under the post. So perhaps there are going to be some discussions that start in there. Um, And we're really looking forward to, you know, the end of this year and then moving right into next year. We got, we got a lot of ideas and hopefully you folks are going to like them. Yeah. Stick with us. We got cool shit coming. Yeah. Well, until next time.